Good morning, Citizens Church LA. Good morning. Welcome to be here. Did I get it right, Citizen Church LA? All right. What a joy it is to be here with you this morning. So excited. Your pastor and I connected uh, several months ago and extended the invitation. And literally, uh, from that point, I've been on fire just saying, wow, this is an opportunity to do something that's for me kind of outside the box, but also to bring and to expose what we do at the Los Angeles Mission to impact and change lives. I'm blessed to have Melanie Ortiz, as she was introduced, one of our chaplains at the mission. Uh, she does the campus outreach in young adults, but she has a powerful testimony and just want to give you some information about how you can get involved, engaged, and serve at the Los Angeles Mission. So would you give Melanie a warm welcome also? Thank you so much. Um, Good morning, like Darren and Pastor Jason said, my name is Melanie and I'm a chaplain of campus outreach and for the young adults. This is actually my hood. I live across the street from La Veda, that coffee shop. You guys know the one? I'm like right here, so I could have walked. It's like a two minute walk. So I'm really excited to be here and I really just wanted to share a little bit of my testimony and how I got to the mission. Um, ever since I was four years old, and I'm pretty sure a lot of us in here will resonate with this faith journey, but ever since I was four, I knew that Jesus was my guy. I remember when I first got to know him, he was a little like sort of European looking, and I know that's like an issue, but a European looking guy with like, he was on a coloring page and he was feeding people fish and loaves. And I remember thinking, okay, this youth-like teacher, pastor, is telling me that this guy loves me and he's nice and he feeds people. You can't go wrong. And so after that, I remember my whole life since then has been like following someone I, could, I thought I could get behind, someone who loved me, someone who would feed me in maybe more ways than one. But then, you know, you grow up and life gets really difficult. Um, I resonate a lot with what Pastor Jason said, I moved to Echo Park after going to Biola. Does anyone know Biola, Biola? Um, and I remember I was like, I could recite every creed, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. I could tell you every miracle that's in the Gospels, but I can't tell you that I have felt Jesus incarnated in his people, especially not in Los Angeles, and I felt really alone. And so at the beginning of last year, I decided, God, I'm going to give you this year to show me, please, where you are, but in a real way. Like, has anyone ever been like, Jesus, I need to feel you right now because you're so far away and it's been a long time. It's not been a day, it's not been a month, it's been a long time that I've loved you, but what does that mean? Who are you really? And so God sent me to the mission and I was like, okay, this is scary. This is hard. Um, Skid Row is not the easiest place to be. It's definitely not Echo Park um, and it's definitely not Biola. And I intentionally sought Christ and I was just, I was like, God, my prayer, what was it? It was, God, I want, I want to see your face. I want to see your hands. And I remember as I was volunteering, there was someone who came, I, I was helping in the information center, which if you want to come and volunteer, this is a place you can, you can. A lot of people don't have addresses where they can get their mail delivered, right? And so we give our address 
and people can receive their Amazon packages, their bills, you know, different checks there. And so I was giving someone, I don't remember her name, but I later named her Sunshine in my mind because she was just this bright, beautiful woman and she was short and just had the biggest eyes. And I remember she yelled at me. I was like, here's your mail. And she was like, you know what? This is late. Where's my other check? And I just remember being like, okay. And I took a moment, I just, I gave it to her, and then we had like a brief conversation after that, and I just remember the spirit really heavy, and I hadn't felt the Holy Spirit in a long time, in a long time, and I just remember, oh, there you are, there's your face, um, even in this, the reality, like a real thing, something that wasn't phony in LA where everyone's trying so hard, it was real, someone had the audacity to share a true emotion. And it, I, I never stopped going. <laughs> and then I started working there in December. And so if you come to volunteer, one of the things that we're having is actually on July 8th, so this upcoming Friday, um, what we're doing is it's called the prayer walk. So we're going around. We're starting at our location, which is just the mission. And it'll be there's an orientation in the parking lot. And we're taking hygiene kits water because summer is really tough for our community obviously like people if they're ir irritable they're like definitely more so since it's so hot um, and so we're just trying to do what jesus did jesus didn't necessarily do things like i don't know um preach without practicing and all he did i that i believe in his ministry is walk in love and ask people what is it that i can do for you and so our prayer walks are quite literally emulated after that. Um, we're gonna walk around, pray for people. This last prayer walk uh, on the 24th, five people got saved in the community. Um, and so we're just gonna walk around and ask the question, what can we do for you? Pass out some food uh, and pray for folks. And then our July 25th event, I'm sorry, I, you said two minutes and I'm like up here telling my whole life story, but I'm almost done. Um, <laughs> uh, on July 25th, we're having a huge street event, uh, Maverick City Music. I don't know if you guys are like familiar with them, but they're gonna be performing for the community and their heart is not to provide like a free concert as much as it is to like show up for people and serve and serve in that way. Um, so. We are looking for church partnerships. Um, so we, if you guys want to come, we're gonna have prayer tents in our department, which is ministry. And if you want to volunteer, I'll have a sign up. And I think we'll be up here so you can uh, sign up and talk to me. Uh, okay, I'm done, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much, please come. <laughs> Wonderful. Come on, let's celebrate Melanie. Melanie is one of our jewels at the LA Mission and we love her tremendously because of her heartfelt transparency and love for God and the people of God and the things of God. And so it's always a treat to be able to hear her testimony and her story. And the reality is the truth, we all have a story, right? We all have a story. We have all gone through some things, good, bad, indifferent, but whatever it may be, the wonderful thing is the story that we have is not just one that gets stuck with us. It is one that God has called us to, to share with others. So thank you, Melanie, for sharing your story. And we're gonna get straight into this time of sharing with you. But again, I celebrate your pastor, Pastor Jason. I don't want any church, when I attend a church, I never ever want them to take for granted 
the gift that God has given you. I had the chance, literally on our first meeting, we went to lunch and we exchanged stories about family and children and wife. And just hearing his story, I connected with him immediately. And I said, this is a man literally after God's own heart. His humility, his passion for the things of God was so transparent. Would you just help me again celebrate your pastor and the gift that God has given you? You have a wonderful congregation here, Pastor Jason. Incredible people that love God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you, Father, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Father, that you lead us, that you guide us in all truth and all righteousness, that we, O oh God, will not be self-righteous, O oh God, but we'll be righteous through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So even now, Father, I pray that you speak through these lips of clay. Give me what to say, that your people might be blessed, that they might be healed, that they might be delivered and set free. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. All right, let's get right into the word of God. You know, I, um, I've, I've prided myself because I like to speak to all different kinds of groups and all different kinds of congregations. But one thing that I always ask is I don't like just to have folks staring back at me. I like to have folks be interactive. Sometimes I'll even go down in the audience and ask direct questions and say, come on, what do you think? How do you feel? So anybody that's nodding, beware, beware. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. But the other thing is, every now and then, if something resonates with your spirit, if you nod your head and at least say amen. I grew up in what's traditionally would considered the African-American church, the black church. I was kind of like what they call Bapticostal. That's a cross between being Baptist and Pentecostal. And folks in those type of churches were noisy. They were saying amen real loud, and they were saying hallelujah real loud. They were saying all those things that let you know that they agreed with you. I'm not asking you to be like that. I'm not asking that this morning. I'm not asking for all that. But what I am asking is that you just let God know, yes, I hear you speaking, Father. And most importantly, it's not about my voice, but it's about hearing the voice of God this morning. Amen? All right, let's get into this. The first thing I wanna talk about and let you understand is we're dealing with compassion. Compassion. And sometimes when we hear that word compassion, all kinds of thoughts come to our mind. But in our scripture verse for this morning, we're gonna look at this. What does compassion look like from Jesus' perspective? It reads as follows in Matthew 9:35. For those of you that are taking notes, Matthew 9:35 through 37, and it reads as follows: Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly ripe, but the laborers are few. I really love this passage of scripture because it emulates exactly who Jesus 
is. It allows us to understand the dynamics of his true nature and how he has moved and how he connects with people. And when you see him being recorded in this particular passage, you see him being identified as first and foremost a master, a savior that sees. He sees people. And so when Jesus says that he goes about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, in other words, he's bringing good news. In other words, the good news of how the kingdom is formed and how healing the sick and every disease among people. Something happens when Jesus engages with people. No life will ever be the same. Many of you could probably testify to the fact that when you had your encounter with Jesus, your life was transformed. You have not been the same because why? You connected with Jesus. And so one of the first things that I want to define for us is what does compassion really look like? What is compassion? Compassion is simply this. It's being motivated by the feelings you have to take action to address another individual's suffering and bring relief to that suffering. Can I say that one more time? Because I want you to get this point. What does compassion really mean? It means being motivated by the feelings, what you feel, and you take action to address another individual's suffering and bring relief to that suffering. To give you a little bit of my personal background, I grew up in a Christian home and family in the Midwest of Chicago. Uh, it was slightly a dysfunctional family, but every Sunday we were going to be at church. We were going to be experience what we call the presence and the power of God. It was a wonderful experience, but there was a dysfunction because Monday through Friday, one of the things that was in my family is alcoholism. My father was an alcoholic. He battled alcoholism. And as a child, I saw this and it really challenged me like, oh my gosh, this is such a contradiction. I can remember as a nine, 10 year old child, my father would drive home from work and I have no idea how he did it, but he drove 16 miles home back and forth to work. But after he parked, he was too drunk to walk from the car to our home. And so here I am as a child, putting my dad over my shoulder and trying to get him inside the house. It caused all kind of heartache and pain and dysfunction and embarrassment in our household. And that was Monday through Friday, but it was something that happened on Sunday, Jason, that he found himself back in church, asking God to continue to work in his life and to change his life. And we had thought, oh my gosh, all the prayers that had been prayed and all the belief and all the faith that we thought we should have, it was never gonna happen. But the amazing thing is, as I became an adult, and I just accepted what I thought was gonna be a norm. My father came to me and he said, listen, he said, I had an encounter with God just about a month ago. And he said, I don't drink anymore and I will never have a drop. And when my dad told me that at those 16, for the next 16 years, he never drunk another bit of alcohol because God had truly set him free. But the work of compassion that I saw in my father is even while he was battling, he had a compassion. I never forget on a Thanksgiving morning, we had all the fixings of the day and all the turkey and dressing and all those things that you have on 
Thanksgiving Day. We looked out the window and I saw the neighborhood wino on his way across the bridge to get what he gets and do what he does. It's just a normal routine we were used to seeing. And my father looked out the window and he says, get me a plate. And I gave him a plate. And when we saw the gentleman coming back, my father stopped him. He says, hey, stop right there. Gus, and my father knew him by name. He said, wait right there. And my father put a pile of food on this plate and wrapped it in foil, and he took it out to him. That act of compassion at 11 years old for me, seeing my father having his own battles and addictions. And so what I'm here to tell you this morning is you may not be perfect, but yet and still God calls us to compassion. He calls us to act. He calls us to do one of these things that I want to emphasize to you first. He causes us to see, to see, to serve, and to be sensitive, to see, to serve, and to be sensitive. My father saw Gus. We had all seen Gus, but this particular holiday, he saw something different about Gus. And so when he saw Gus, he saw the need that Gus had. And he decided that he would serve him. He wasn't going to be humiliating and say, why are you like this, Gus? Why do you keep doing this? Why are you wrestling with it? He had the sensitivity to say, I just want to meet the need as God has met needs in my life. So as believers, as children, as those that have been called, it is our responsibility as Christ has called us to follow exactly what he has done, to see the needs. Mm. I love the fact that when we look at what Christ did and how he did it, he is also modeling what God does. God sees us. In Psalms 33, 12 through 14, it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees. Mm, I love that. He sees the people. We have a God that sees us. And when we have a God that sees us, we have to have the confidence that if he's seeing us, that he's able to meet the need in our life, and he wants us to also see others. He's not a God that does not see. He's not a God that does not know. He's not a God does not, that does not process nor address the needs that we have. Our need is for him. Our physical needs, he meets. Ah, and he also meets our spiritual needs. And he also allows us to, to transfer the gift to see others others' needs freely. So he wants us to be sensitive. He wants us to see. And he gave us a perfect example of what that looks like through Christ. And so I believe if we're going to be effective at demonstrating Christ-like compassion, we have to be able to see. See the need and be ready to be sensitive and to address. Personally, I always fall back on this one thing I call grace. I recognize that by the grace of God, there go I. Really, the truth is all of us have to recognize the grace of God. Without the grace of God on our side, I would be lost. It's something about the grace that we call amazing. Yes, it's an old hymn of the church, and sometimes it gets lost in translation. But the reality is it is amazing because we can't always put it into words. It's his grace. 
And so when we see this, that God sees us and he knows exactly what we need and what we have before we even ask of him, one of the things he requires for us is to do a self-examination. And we see this in 1 John 3 and 17. 1 John 3 and 17, it says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's the question. When you see a need, sometimes you want to pass judgment. Well, are they really worthy of my time? Are they, re- are they really worthy of my efforts? Are they really worthy of my energy? Well, the truth is, in comparison to God, none of us are worthy. But God wants to ha- us to have a sensitivity to recognize if he's blessed us, we have been blessed to be a blessing. It's not just to heap more on ourselves, but it is to share. And the wonderful thing I love when I go out to so many churches is I see a sharing spirit. I see a generous spirit. I see a gracious spirit. Why? Because you're touched. You have connectivity with God. You've allowed him to have a connectivity in your heart that says, "Mm, it was only on my decision. It was only on my thoughts. It was only on my opinion. I wouldn't get involved. That's not my problem. That's not for me. But what we do at the Los Angeles Mission is we encourage people to come, to spend time with us, and see. I want to get off that point because I could talk about seeing all day long. But the reality is, many times, not only about what we see, but we have to see these things with passion. What does it mean to see it with passion? Passion is about making something a priority, that you feel it, you're driven by it. You wake up in the morning and you say, ah, my gosh, I got to do this. You make in a priority. You do it with intentionality. It's something about when you are passionate about something, no one has to remind you. I was enjoying what was being said about the children and I love to go into a a church and see uh, infants and young, because that's the next generation. But I also recognize that there is a passion that every mother has and every father has also to be the very best that they can as far as being a parent. Why? Because they recognize it's their calling. It's what I've called me to called what I've been called to do. It's natural. It's natural to gravitate. I saw Pastor Jason's son come up. And yes, we were in a meeting and everything was important, the whole deal. But it wasn't like an interruption. It was like a welcome. Come on over. Let me hug you. That's what God wants us to do, not only for with our relationship with him, but wants us to do with each other. It's never a disruption. It should be never out of, like, I I really don't have time. It's inconvenient. (laughs) And yes, we understand Many times when you come to volunteer and when you're setting aside times, that there's other things that you could be doing. But because you're passionate about the things of God and the lives of God, the lives that people need to see transformed and what he wants to do. One of the greatest times that I had as far as just struggle, I was at my lowest of lows, hard, just like, God, I'm tired, like, has, has anyone ever been, like, tired of life? Am I the only one? I, I was just tired. I wanted to have a pity party. In my pity party, I was inviting anyone that would listen, 
pay attention or give me the time of day. But as I was having my pity party and mad at God, these words came to me. And it was simply this. What are you willing to sacrifice to change the way another man spends eternity? When we were doing the creed, we talked about eternity, right? Eternity is forever. And many times when you have a concept and understanding of what eternity is, you recognize that the sacrifice of your time, yes, it may be an hour, maybe two, maybe a half a day. It's nothing in comparison to eternity. But you're sowing that seed of time that a life might be transformed, that a life might be healed, that a life might be restored. That is what you're investing in. When you hear about the book Miracles on Wall Street, it's about an investment, an investment of one of four things. I like to say people have four things. They either have their time, their talent, or their treasure, or their touch. I'll say that again. Your time, your talent, your treasure, or your touch. And investing one of those four into people, that transforms lives. That brings people to the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. I want to make sure that I don't go over time. I got six minutes, right, Pastor? Let me wrap this up in six minutes. <laughs> because there's so much that I could share with you. But I see that I believe that you're connecting with us. So we talked about seeing. We talked about prioritizing. But again, I want to move on because I want you to be very intentional about what we do. The next thing is I want you to be able to anticipate. Anticipate, take action, and be ready to accomplish. Anticipate, take action, and be ready to accomplish. Accomplish what God has called you to. What do I mean by anticipating? When we see Jesus, Jesus is on one of his trips for he's going from one side to another. He meets a man that's demon-possessed. This man lived in the tombs. He was one that... Mm, Nobody wanted to have anything to do with. He was pushed aside. He was basically in the skid row of the day. And he encountered who? Jesus. It's something that happens when someone encounters Jesus. When Melanie was talking about the prayer walks, we take Jesus and we are intentional about taking action. We anticipate they're gonna have a need, so we come prepared. We come with water, we come with a meal, we come with hygiene kits. We wanna make a deposit of this, the natural even before we do the supernatural. And because sometimes when someone's natural need is met, then you can also need, allow Christ to meet the supernatural. So when we see that A, we're talking about taking, anticipating, taking action. And so when Jesus met this man at the tomb. He saw him. He saw the man from afar. Okay, so he sees him. And he was moved with compassion. And he asked this man, what is your name? And I love the fact that when he asked him his name, he basically was making it personal. We have to always remember that even when we have this passion for people, that we personalize it. One of the things I do, because I think it's very important, is when I come in contact with someone in Skid Row, within 20 to 30 seconds of that engagement, you know what I do? I ask them their name. Because so often they're referred to as the man, the guy, the bum, the homeless, the, that person. But they have a name. And Jesus asked this man that was demon-possessed, what is your name? And because he had been called so many names, 
he said legion, because yes, he was possessed with many, but when he was clothed and in his right mind, he had a encounter with Jesus that left him accomplished. Jesus accomplished the task of allowing him to be delivered. We're going out to accomplish a task on Skid Row. We're going out to transform lives. And we do that also because we come with a response. With a response. A response to bring relief. How do you bring relief? You bring relief to individuals by being able to relate. And you may say, Elder Mac, how, how do I relate to someone on Skid Row? How do I relate to someone that does not look like me? How do I relate to someone? The interesting thing is this. You'd be surprised that there's not much of a difference once you get past the outward appearance about the heart and the spirit of mankind. There's no color on the spirit. There's no real culture on the spirit. There's no even male or female on the spirit. It's a spirit that God says, this is part of who I created. It's God's spirit. It's God's spirit that you love, that you embrace, and that's what you speak to because we relate not just in the natural realm, but we relate also in the spiritual realm. There's a spiritual dynamic that God is elevating each and every one of us to. That yes, if we do things just in of our own ability and understand we have to walk in this world and live in this world, but ah, one thing that's going to happen is this flesh, yes, it's going to die, but the spirit is going to live forever. And that's what we make connection with. That's what we relate to. And then we go to this last point. We have a knowledgeable kindness with a kindred spirit. What does knowledgeable kindness with a kindred spirit look like? It simply is this. I'm not going to pass judgment because I don't know your story. I don't know the sleepless nights that you've had. I don't know the trauma that you've experienced to get in this state. But I do know that I serve a God that not only loves me, but he loves you. And because of that, we have a commonality. We have a kindredness. We have a commonness. Immediately when I met Pastor Jason, we had a kindred spirit. I connected with him. He connected with me. That connection was over the fact that we both love God first and foremost. But then the commonalities were we wanted to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for our life. And even as leaders in ministry, we recognize that we have to be encouraged. We have to be challenged. We have to be lifted up. Because, yes, the weight of ministry many times can become very heavy. But we realize we don't carry it in our own ability. We carry it through the power and through the grace that God gives us. So what I've just talked to you about in these last few moments, is we've talked about what I like to call is a spark. And a spark is something that changes the atmosphere. It changes the environment. And so around the Los Angeles mission, I like to say we want to be a spark. We want to be a spark of compassion. People that see, people that are passionate, people that take action, people that bring relief, and people that are kind. 
That's what makes up true compassion. Being that spark, I believe that Citizens LA Church is a church of compassion. And what we're planning to do over these summer months and as you partner with us and as we engage in the community, we're doing it simply to be a spark. And so my word to you in closing this morning is simply this. God has equipped each and every one of us. He has called us for such a time as this. You may be watching even online. And even as you're watching online, you don't have to be distant. You don't have to be disconnected. This is a message for you also that you can be that person that sees. You'll be that person that has passion and participates. You also can be that individual mm, that is very much aware and is ready to take action again and be responsive and show kindness. That is the spark. That is the spark that God is calling for us to have. And so for you, as you're sitting there in your seat, if you're saying, hey, Elder Mack, or, Pastor Darren, I heard your message. And there's certain things that I've always wanted to do to be impactful. And I've, 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 I've seen, but in other words, I have not seen sometimes individuals that are homeless. And I've walked by and I've not even said a prayer. I've done nothing. I've, I've tried to ignore that they even exist. If you found yourself possibly in that state, or you're just saying, I want to be able to have a deeper level of connectivity, I want to be able to relate. I want to be able to even show kindness. If that's your heart's just prayer and you just feel like God tugging on the heartstrings this morning, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God continues the work of what he has called all of us, not individually. But if that's just something that you like prayer for, I just want you to slip your hand up because I want to pray that God releases the spark in your life, that God allows that spark to abide in such a way that you experience his presence, his joy, his fulfillment to connect with others. Does that resonate with anyone in here? Can any hands want to raise? Can I just pray for you? You don't have to take any other step. Just say, hey, Elder Mac, I want to I, I connect and have that spark, that spark of compassion. God sees those hands that were raised. God is here for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, oh God, have seen these outstretched hands that want to have the same passion that your son Jesus Christ was moved with, to have the same spark, to have that spark of compassion that says, hmm, I can do more. I can do more to serve my community. I can do more to impact my community. I can show the love of God in such an amazing way. Why? Because I've experienced it. And so, Father, I thank you even now for the work that you're doing and the harvest of souls, the lives that we will see transformed for your glory, that your kingdom might come and that your will might be done. In Jesus' name, amen.